0: we are continuing our journey in the book of james this week and we are on week seven this christ-centered faith according to the book of james and we're in chapter four and you've already heard read verses 1 to 12. a 20 year old man an italian man just a young guy went for a swim on a beach in calabria and it was just last August, this is a true story, and he took his floaty with him. There was a huge air and sea search that was called when he didn't show up for an appointment with a friend. Nine hours later, he was pulled from the sea, cold, exhausted, and frightened. He had drifted. He just laid back to relax and was all of a sudden carried off by the strong current for nearly 10 miles from shore. Why do I tell that story? Because as we look today in the book of James, James is dealing with the worry of Christians who are drifting, Christians who are relaxing and letting their guard down, following the status quo, and are adrift in this world. And they need to be rescued. In our passage this morning, James has used some pretty harsh words, and he tends to use a lot of harsh words in his letter. And let us remind ourselves that another passage that we see James is also very similar to is his brother's Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew. And so he uses these harsh words. He says to those Christians who are adrift that they are committing spiritual adultery When they have become friends with the world and therefore they are enemies of god now the spiritual adultery is when we are devoted to god but they have married or we have married ourselves to a rich affluent and worldly lifestyle you see the truth of it is is you never decide at that point that you want to do that that you want to turn your back on god it's the farthest from their minds that you have just relaxed and become comfortable but the truth is this is uh, these are christians who have let their guard down a few compromises here a few there a little rest a real a little relaxation and they wake up one morning far from shore and far from god revelation brings this to the church in ephesus In chapter 2, in Revelation, we hear, Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Or other versions say your first love. Consider how far you have fallen. I would say this morning, consider how far you have drifted repent and do the things that you did at first let's remind ourselves now as we move forward this morning that that uh, red letter was to the church in ephesus from revelation and james is writing to the church that they have drifted far from god so james is saying to the church marry your heart soul and mind instead to the kingdom of god exclusively jesus said it this way seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things will be added on to you what is james meaning today by the word the world Well see its behaviors and patterns of life things that people want and expect and long for and desire that drives them to think and behave the way that others do Why is James so concerned with this friendship with the world is where the root of wars and fighting begin, the quarrels among them. You see, in our world, violence, force, and power uh, seems to be what matters most and what counts is the way that the world works around us. In a civil society, people may appear friendly and smile and open and generous, but scratch the surface a bit begin to go against the status quo, against the way that they like it to be, and they will be sure to show you their displeasure. As much as we've seen in the news in recent days, you see violence and the threat of more violence is ultimately how the world operates, but not so for the church, says James. I thought of this story. In the summer of 1986, two ships collided in the Black Sea off the coast of Russia, hundreds of passengers died, and they were hurled into the icy waters below. News of the disaster was further darkened when an investigation revealed the truth that caused this accident. It wasn't the technology problem like the radar malfunction in the fog. The cause was human pride, human arrogance, human stubbornness. Each captain was aware of the other ship's presence nearby. Both could have steered clear. But according to the news reports, neither captain wanted to give way to the other. Each was too proud to yield to the first. By the time they came to their senses, it was too late. And people perished. See, James says, what is the root of this bitter conflict that we see so often around us? James says it comes from our desires within. Uh, Look at verse 4 there. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? These believers that James is writing to have allowed unholy desires to possess their spirits. Every Christian knows that there's a fierce battle that goes on between the flesh and the spirit. That's why we're told that we need to crucify the flesh, crucify it daily. We need to stay alert and take a stand daily. If we do not learn how to overcome the strong inner urge to gratify the flesh, sin will take us captive and enslave us, and we will be adrift far from god and far from shore paul described this uh, inner war that he was going through in that passage of romans 7 i read starting at verse 21 so i find this law at work although i want to do good evil is right there with me For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me prisoner to the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. That's the Apostle Paul saying that. Who will rescue me from the body, this body that is subject to death? You see, when I don't find what I desire, that pleasure, then I move into it's someone else's fault. I begin to blame another. You know that blame game where I'm constantly the victim and I never have to change and I don't need to look inward at my own issues. Everyone else is to blame for my um, issues that I'm going through, my conflict, my attitude. James even brings up the point that craving for the pleasures of this world and these desires and ultimately these inner desires to please the flesh is what shuts the door to prayer. Oh, you might be praying, but you're misusing this beautiful gift of conversation with God, this prayer, because you're always praying for something for your own desires, your own wishes, your own pleasures rather than praying for God's glory and for his kingdom. James reminds us when you pray that way, you won't receive anything. And often when you pray, you're praying with wrong motives. And so James is saying we're, we're adrift in the midst of that. We have drifted quite a distance from God and from shore. He talks about being a friend of God. What does it mean being a friend of God. Well, you know, it's interesting going back to the Apostle Paul in chapter seven of Romans, how he says about his own struggle, and we find ourselves a lot there in that chapter seven. A lot of Christians say, oh, well, that's me, that's my issues, that's my problem, I'm constantly struggling. verse 24, remember I already read it, what a wretched man I am, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? This battle within. you know what's interesting people don't get to verse 25 and then into Romans 8 uh, the life of the spirit verse 25 says thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord the apostle Paul gives us the uh, remedy there in Romans 7 do you remember as children when you came home devastated from school not very old and you shared with your parent That your bestest friend, your best friend, had rejected you and had become the best friend of another. Oh, we were devastated as children. It all seemed like the world was going to end, and then we grew up and we knew better. But you see, there's something deep in each one of our psyche. This desire to belong, this desire to bond with one person above all others. That is really what the life of uh, marriage is really about, isn't it? about an exclusive bond, an exclusive relationship. And and it's just interesting that the Bible so often talks about this exclusive bond that we find in marriage as an image of God with us, his children. God's claim on human life. He desires this exclusive relationship. We hear it all throughout scripture, that God is a jealous God. In this particular passage with James, we're reading here that the word actually says burning heat. And so what James is saying, God is passionate, that kind of jealousy, not the kind of jealousy that we think that is sinful, but God is passionate about you. God is passionate about having this exclusive relationship with you. I had to ask myself this week and I ask you, are we that passionate about our relationship with God and his kingdom. That's what it means to have a friendship with God. And that friendship with God can only come through humility. You see, in James' day, there was a major lack of humility and I would say things haven't changed much. Humility is the opposite of arrogance and pride. Arrogance and pride says, my desires come first. My wants, my wishes, my needs. My cause is more important than your cause. My cause is worth fighting for and killing for. And that's how wars get started. And he says, those desires are that that are agitating you and the things you can't get and desires that push you to fight, quarrel, and even kill And drives people to war. Now you would say to me, wait a minute, Pastor Betty. I've been privileged enough not to have to go fight for my country as generations before have had to do. I've never really killed anyone, so this doesn't apply to me. But I would ask you, has your anger and jealousy, your desires ever caused the murder of a relationship? Or have you ever murdered someone else's reputation and gospel? You see, it's those desires in us that drive us to those places. Arrogance, pride, my wishes, my wants. I like what somebody said. Pride is the only disease known to man that makes everyone sick except the person who has it. Did you get that? Pride is the only disease known to man that makes everyone sick except the person who has it. We know that God resists the proud because as long as they are confident in themselves, in their own worldly desires and attitudes, and they feel that they're just fine, they just sit back and relax, they are just satisfactory, God is unable to do anything in that person's life, or with that person. They have drifted quite a distance from shore. So James says, do you want to be rescued? (laughs) Kind of a crazy idea, isn't it? When we've drifted far from God, when we realize and wake up that we are far from shore, we need a rescuer. I like that song, that God is our rescuer. He gives us the way to be rescued. The key is submit to God and resist the devil. Now, now the world and the day that we live in will tell you the opposite, won't they? They say submit to the devil, submit to sinful ways, and resist God. That's just foolishness. But we know that's not true. If we truly want to be rescued, we need to submit to God. That's not a word that we really like, is it? Submit to let go and let God, to admit where we're at. And we need to do our part by resisting the devil. So in submitting to God, what we do is we begin to recognize how far we've drifted from God. We take a serious self-examination of our motives, our impulses, our desires. It is good for us as Christians on a regular basis daily to check our hearts, to check our actions, to check inwardly our desires, our motives for why we do what we do. And in humility we come before God and we to repent with a broken and contrite spirit. James says here, we weep and we mourn if we have drifted. We are broken before God. He tells us in those verses 7 to 10, the weight of blessing. He says, draw near to God and God will draw near to you. We draw near to God in humility. We praise God this morning that Jesus has made a way for us that we can draw near to God. On the cross when he died, when he shed his blood for us, he made the way wide open for us to God. Praise his name. And we are told in scripture that we can now come boldly. I love that vision of the temple curtain being torn in two and being able to enter in freely and boldly but may i remind us this morning we come boldly but we come in humility we are only able to come before the father because of the precious gift of grace salvation through jesus christ first peter 5 tells us all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because god opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble humble yourselves therefore under god's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time james says the same doesn't he in verse 10 humble yourselves before the lord and he will lift you up my friends this morning god is ready to rescue us if we are adrift but we need to come and repent God is ready and waiting. He longs to establish a renewed, passionate friendship with us, a deeper, stronger friendship, more satisfying than anything the world could offer, more satisfying than what we could ever think or imagine. But the way to it is we must draw near to God by repenting. I like what somebody said. Noah's message from the steps going up to the ark was not something good is going to happen to you. Amos Amos was not confronted by the high priest of Israel for proclaiming confession is possession. Jeremiah was not put in the pit for preaching, I'm okay, you're okay. Daniel was not put into the lion's den for telling people, possibility thinking will move mountains. John the Baptist was not forced to preach in the wilderness and eventually beheaded because he preached, smile, God loves you. The two prophets of the tribulation will not be killed for preaching, God is in heaven and all is right with the world. Instead, what was the message of all these men of God? one simple word repent we tell the world to repent but james is telling us all throughout his letter that for us as believers in jesus christ that same word can come to us repent if we have drifted james says it in verse 8 doesn't he wash your hands you sinners and purify your hearts you double-minded grieve mourn and wail change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom oh there's time for joy yes but my friends if we have drifted far from god and the things of god james tells us it's also a time to repent in closing the promises this morning are so beautiful in this passage uh he says if we draw near to god he will draw near to us how many times have i repeated that promise if we resist the devil he will flee what a beautiful promise and i love this uh promise humble yourselves before the lord and he will lift you up beautiful promises for us this morning i like what dl moody said be humble or you'll stumble Surrender your pride, is what James is saying to us in this chapter. Be humble or you'll stumble. I close with this story. This is a true story. This is the actual transcript of a radio conversation with a U.S. naval ship and Canadian authorities off the coast of Newfoundland in October of 1995. And it was actually released by the Chief of Naval Operations. The Americans, please divert your course 15 degrees to the north to avoid collision. Canadians, recommend you divert your course 15 degrees to the south to avoid collision. Americans, this is the captain of a US Navy ship. I say again, divert your course. Canadians, no, I say again, you divert your course. The Americans, this is the aircraft carrier USS Lincoln, the second largest ship in the United States Atlantic Fleet. We are accompanied by three destroyers, three cruisers, and a numerous support vessels. I demand that you change your course 15 degrees north. That's one five degrees north, or countermeasures will be undertaken to ensure the safety of this ship, the Canadians this is a lighthouse. It's your call. I say it again, what D.L. Moody said, be humble or you will stumble. May the Lord help all of us. May we realize that if we have drifted, we have a rescuer that wants to come and help us and draw us closer to him than we've ever been before. We need to surrender our pride in order to do so. This is usually a song, but I believe today I'd like it to be our prayer. It's my prayer and I pray it's your prayer. Let's pray. Make me a channel of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me bring your love. Where there is injury, your pardon, Lord. And where there is doubt, true faith in you. Make me a channel of your peace. Where there's despair in life, let me bring hope. Where there is darkness, only light. And where there is sadness, ever joy. O master, grant that I may never seek so much to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love with all my soul. Make me a channel of your peace it is in pardoning that we are pardoned it is in giving of ourselves that we receive and in dying that we are born to eternal life amen and amen may god bless you as you desire to be a channel of his peace